Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Bauman. Coming up on this week's episode, we get into the suddenly resurgent Blackhawks offense, 14 goals over the last week. Patrick Kane is on a six-game point streak, and things are really clicking. What changed in Jeremy Colleton's system to really spark this new attack? We'll get Adam Burrish's insight as well as Chris Cook and what he's talked to Jeremy Colleton about. And we'll dive into the benefits of the healthy scratch and how guys are bouncing back there. And also chat with Ryan Carpenter ahead of his return to Las Vegas, where he spent two seasons with the Golden Knights coming up on Wednesday. All that and more coming up on Blackhawks Insider, presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive. Hey, it's Adam Burrish. On the road to the top, it's all about drive. The all-new Chevy Blazer's got some serious game with available driver control mode. Shift from touring to all-wheel drive to sport to tow and haul. This ride is built for Chicago weather. Yeah, on and off the ice. Turn your Blazer into a mobile hotspot with available 4G LTE Wi-Fi, keeping you connected 24-7. Check out the all-new Chevy Blazer at ChevyDrivesChicago.com. Drive. It's how you get where you're going. Welcome into Blackhawks Insider. I am Carter Baum, here with Adam Burrish and Chris Cook. And uh, Adam, they let us back on the show. Can't Uh, believe it. Eric Lear's been holding down the fort for us for the last uh, two episodes uh, with Chris Cook in California. We missed you greatly. Yeah. There was no insight at all. It It was very good timing that right as, you know, we just bypassed fall here in Chicago, yep. went right into winter, uh, and I'm from Dallas, so this is a little bit of an Ooh, awakening yuck, for me. Right? Uh, you guys, you know, you're slumming it in Nashville, slumming it in Southern California. You go up to San Jose, where it's not warm, but, you know, it's not it was, not Chicago. It's about 78 and sunny every day. It must so, be nice. But it was, I was mostly working, so I don't know anything about it, but well, I, I saw on the news. And Eric Lear had such a difficult time that we we really had to reward him. He's going back with the team to just miserable cities in Las Vegas. Carter, when do we get to go? Uh, and he's going back to Nashville as well. So This uh, is garbage. We're going to save it. I don't know about you, but I'm saving mine for the Florida trip Deal. in February. Okay. Because, uh, you know, that's going to be good. We're also yep. sending Eric Lear to the eight-day road trip that starts and ends in Winnipeg through Good. northern Canada in January. He deserves so, that. Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg. Winnipeg, we'll Vancouver. He gets Vancouver for a day. We'll which, give him a little bone. Know, let him see a little daylight when he's yep. there. But uh, it's been a good last week for the Blackhawks since we since we last spoke and coming off of the San Jose game to wrap up that four-game road trip that, Cook, you slummed it on in California. Uh, things were up in the air as far as what this Blackhawks team was looking to do. They now have a couple wins under their belt. They have points in a more consistent basis, and they're scoring goals. 14 goals in the last week, uh, over three games. Things are really starting to turn around for this team. Uh, That includes the San Jose game, I should say, 14 goals. But uh, offensively, things are opening up, and Patrick Kane's on a three-game point streak, uh, and it all centers back to an adjustment that Jeremy Colleton has made. He was telling reporters today, you know, They've pushed, and Burr, I want to get your insight here. They've pushed the offside winger higher in the defensive zone to, you know, it maybe sacrifices yourself a little bit not having an extra guy down low to win the puck back. But when you do win the puck back, you're out of your zone quicker. And more importantly, you're into the offensive zone quicker. You're not forced to dump and chase all the time. What does that free up for some of these players to really just almost 
play more run and gun style out there. Yeah, and I don't think he's telling us everything, um, but I can tell you what he's talking about in the D zone. And Joel was different. Joel Quinville was. He wanted wingers down deep, and they were around the net. And you were, if you were a winger, you had to collapse. And then if you you would see the other team, if they got the puck to their point, their D would almost be playing catch for, for two or three seconds because you had to get out there fast and rush where what Jeremy's talking about now is there's going to be a winger a little higher in the defensive zone. So if there is a quick turnover, now he can put some pressure. He can They can throw pucks out of the zone. They can hoist some pucks and make foot races, which I think is the way the game is now. There's so many more foot races going on with the way guys can skate and uh, when I started by saying Jeremy's not telling us everything, I'm sure there was there has been some meetings in that room where he has said, listen, I'm going to give you guys a little more rope here. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of leash to go and be creative and to play offensive and to have confidence with the puck and make plays. If you turn it over, you better get your ass back. But I'm going to give you some room here to play. And that's how it looks. I mean, I, I look back at the last game when I think there was that shift with uh, Kane and Taves, they might have even had a line change of a winger where it was just ring around the Rosie, Gustafson, Duncan, Keith were out there, and it looked like the old-school Blackhawks where they're, they're keeping the puck, they're, they're playing fast, they're making plays, and they had the puck for about 30 seconds like the Harlem Globetrotters in the offensive zone, and we haven't seen that in a year and a half, it seems like, but uh, it certainly seems like they've had some meetings and they've loosened up defensively a little bit, and they've allowed these guys to have a little bit of confidence and play with some, uh, play with some personality on the offensive side. And Chris, you were talking to Jeremy, you said... They don't want to just abandon the defensive zone. They want to take some of the principles that they were holding on to playing such a strong defensive game there, and they want to use those in the right moments. But when you have Hall of Famers like Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane up there, you got to let them go. You have to let them go. You got to let them play. These are skilled players who weren't being able to make skilled plays. So you get time and space for Patrick Kane. But you, you mentioned it, Carter. They're not dumping and chasing like they were, which is so key. If you can come into the zone with some speed, their zone entries were really lacking. That San Jose game, I thought the zone entries were, were awful. You've got to get coming into the zone with speed. And I also said to Jeremy Carlton, well, the system is great, so you can open it up offensively, but you can't do that with unless you have two very good goaltenders. And, you know, Robin Leonard the other night, what do you mean, 53 saves? You go into the dressing room afterward, he looks like he'd run a marathon. I mean, he's yeah. he's in there sweating and he's short of breath, but he loved it, right? I mean, you know, this is a guy who really stood tall. Corey Crawford's playing well. So you can open it up offensively as long as you've got some backstop there and guys know that, you know, if, if there is a missed assignment or somebody does get through, that the goaltenders can stop it. I'll add, too, though, just as players, too, if you're being fair, this team struggled a bit to start the year. You want some excitement. You want some run and gun. Hey, if we're going to lose a game, let's open this thing up and at least give give Kane, give Taves, give, give Duncan Keith, uh, give Alex Dabrinkit. Put it on their sticks and put it on their shoulders and let them open this thing up. And I, I think those guys like that. They want that pressure. Kane wants that. Pre- put me out there 24 minutes, and I may, I may uh, take some chances defensively for the offensive side, but if it doesn't work out, put it on me. And those guys want that pressure. Your star players want that pressure give them the puck and let them run and that's what we've seen the last couple games and it's certainly fun to watch players like playing that way and now they're getting results with it too and we see Patrick Kane loves it he has 11 points over his last six games a six game point streak with five goals six assists he's had three point nights in two of his last three games it's it's really opened up his game and Jonathan Taves as well a lot was said about maybe his slower start to the year offensively but things are firing for these guys and you're really starting to see it in high-scoring games. You have five goals each against Vancouver, uh, and then the other night back at the United Center. What does that do? I mean, how exciting is that to just be a part of? And you still, Jeremy said, you have to get back and play defensively. But 
you you have to really appreciate those guys starting to hit their form and really carry this team like we've seen them do for so long now. Yeah, it gives them confidence. And I think those guys, if you watch them now, especially the last two games, just the, 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 the confidence they had with the puck, the way they – it seemed like they were thinking a lot to me in the first part of the season where defensively they're thinking where I should go. And, um, you know, I heard a quote from Duncan Keith where he said, it seemed like every situation was too spelled out for us and every, we had to think about everywhere we were going. And – uh, sometimes as older players or younger players, that slows you down a little bit. When you open it up for guys and just let them use instincts and let them play, um, this is a team that has just had instincts and played for a long time and had a lot of success doing that. Um, you have to be held accountable defensively, uh, but it doesn't have to be spelled out in, in accountability. It can be get back. You you better beat your guy back up the ice. I played on a lot of good teams where the structure wasn't always perfect, but the effort was, and the effort can make up for a little bit of lack of structure, and I think that's what we've seen the last couple games from the Hawks. And how does bringing up a guy like Adam Boquist seem to almost fit into the system? If you're putting the focus on offense and scoring goals, you have a guy on the blue line there who loves to put up some offensive numbers. How does that play into maybe this little bit of a tweak in what the Blackhawks are trying to do and bring someone there who is also very dangerous on the counter and is just as dangerous in that offensive zone sometimes as some forwards. Yeah, he's a, he's an exciting uh, kind of riverboat gambler defenseman, some people would say about him, where he's always up in the rush. Uh, he's not a big body. He's not going to be overly physical, but when he gets the puck on his stick, man, is he smooth. He can see the ice well. Skilled players like playing with defensemen like him. He, he's like a Gustafson. He's like a Duncan Keith. He can move the puck quick. He can make good plays, and he can jump up into the rush. I mean, the way he shot the puck on that first for his first career goal, was that was big-time stuff and some big-time confidence that he has when he gets the puck. And he'll keep getting more confidence, but this isn't a team for me that's going to win a lot of two-to-one games. They're not built that way, and that's, I think, what they've been trying to do a little bit. I think that they had, they've had the ability to do that and shut some teams down. They shut Edmonton down really well at the start of the year, a high-powered offensive team. But this is a team, I think, that fans are used to seeing some upbeat, high-energy hockey, some in-your-face, some run-and-gun a little bit. You've got the, the guys to do that on this team rather than the shut-down New York Islanders or the old-school New Jersey Devils. This team is more built a little bit for some exciting hockey, and Boquist fits in perfectly with that. And I think the more games he gets, I think fans, you're going to start seeing some Boquist jerseys in the stands because he's going to he's going to have some, and he's got the pretty blonde Swedish hair too. But um, he's a he's a fun player to watch. What does that maybe also play into having these offensive numbers where the guys are are starting to feel it more? How does that help with? maybe a consistency issue that we saw at the beginning of the year. You mentioned the Edmonton game, which was kind of a pillar game for the opening few weeks of the season of this is how this team can play. And then you go out, you have games like last time there in Nashville, like the first two periods in San Jose last week. How does that help maybe counteract that and and start to make this the norm and this is how this team is going to hopefully play night in and night out? Yeah, well, as a player, you get confidence really just two ways, personal success or team success. So like I'll use myself as an example. I didn't have much personal success. I didn't score a lot of goals, but in the, in the teams I was on here in Chicago, we won a lot of games. So I felt really good coming to the rink every day. And after a game, if I'd have zero points and I'd played nine or 10 minutes, uh, but we won five to two, I felt pretty good coming to practice the next day. As long as I didn't screw up, as long as I didn't get benched, I worked hard. I, I gave that effort. Uh, I had a lot of confidence and if you're losing and you're having no production and your confidence, I don't care if you're Patrick Kane or if you're a fourth-line player, you're not going to have it. If you're a first-line star player like Patrick Kane and you're losing every night but you're putting up three points, you're going to have confidence. That, that's the truth. That's not a selfish thing. That's not a bad thing. You're going to have it. 
Uh, when you're losing, you're not putting up points. It's hard. It's really hard no matter how good you are. Your fourth-line players start holding their stick tighter. They don't want the puck as much. Your stars are getting frustrated. Um, but when you start having your star players put up points and you're getting wins, now you got a pretty special formula. Not only the star players, but, Chris, something we've seen over the last couple games really start to take shape is Jeremy Colleton's using some of his healthy scratches to sit some guys down to say, hey, you're doing okay. We want to. We want you to do better. Here's some video. You're going to look at this. You're going to watch the game from the press box. You're going to really take this in. We've seen it early in the season. Alex Nylander, healthy scratch, come back, comes back in the next game, scores a goal. We saw it with Drake Kajula a couple weeks later, healthy scratch, come back, scores a goal. We saw it twice in as many games this weekend. Dominic Kubelik scratched on Thursday, comes back, scores a goal in Pittsburgh on Saturday. Meanwhile, Kirby Dock is sitting in the press box, two seats down from me in the press box uh, in Pittsburgh, comes back on Sunday and scores a goal. These guys are bouncing back right away, and you, you have to love that, especially as a coach when you know you sit some guys out and everyone is questioning, why, why are you sitting these guys out? To have that immediate response, you got to feel good about yourself. I would throw Gustafson in there as well. I yeah. think he's played very well since he was a scratch. But, you know, Burr, you could probably test this. It can go both ways, right? You can have a guy who can embrace yep. that saying, okay, here's why I got scratched. I got to go out there. I got to have, I got to be more grit. I got to go out there and play harder. Or you got guys who can pout. I think we saw when Brent Seabrook was scratched, that could have gone south, and it didn't because Brent Seabrook is a pro, didn't let it affect his teammates. He was personally upset about it, I think, but he's not going to carry it in the dressing room. But that's a it's a dangerous game to play if you're if you're Jeremy Colleton for some of these guys. But I think he's got to get a pretty good read on these guys. And you know, you're right, Carter. These guys are responding to being scratched. And you know, Stan Bowman mentioned it in the offseason. Say, you know, we kept saying, "Boy, you got a lot of forwards and I got a lot of defensemen." Now he's like, "Well, those are good problems to have. We're going to be sending some guys." each night who might think they should be playing, that kind of pushes everybody. And it pushes the guys who are in the lineup to stay in the lineup, pushes the guys who are out to get in the lineup, and that's a good problem to have. Yeah, you probably have eight forwards that you could rotate in or out on this team, on this roster, um, that I think if you're the head coach, you can make a case for. i got to sit this guy tonight, and i got to try and motivate this guy. And and it's a lot of young guys, too, which is easier for a coach, I can tell you, to to sit a younger guy than it is an older guy. Because older guys, they've got some clout in the locker room. uh, They have some leadership. Uh, and that's just that's just the truth of it. But you've got eight or eight or nine guys that you can sit and you can make them watch and observe and and get their attention a little bit. And um, so for young guys, easier as you get older. You know, you, you know, their third, fourth year, it's hard. And even a young guy too, when you get scratched, I, I don't think people realize that is the, the mental toughness that it takes because you're embarrassed in front of your teammates, whether you're Kirby Doc or whether you're David Camp or, or whether you're you know Duncan Keith or Eric Gustafson, who's been here for a while now. It takes a shot at your pride, and it hurts. And, and you've, you, in front of your peers, you've got to go and kind of walk in that locker room, and they're like, you're not playing tonight, dude. And to come back and bounce back, it takes some stones. And it's been pretty neat to see it. I guess it can tell you that there's some good character guys in this Blackhawks dressing room. To bounce back and score, it's hard, uh, but you've got to be mentally strong, and these guys have done it. It's pretty cool. You mentioned some of the defensemen that have been through that. Brent Seabrook, Adam Boquist, also in that camp. He was out uh, for Saturday's game in Pittsburgh, you have a guy in Connor Murphy who's been on long-term IR for the last few weeks dealing with a groin injury. He returned to full practice uh, on Tuesday. He's traveling with the team to Vegas, to Nashville. He's eligible to return for the game in Nashville if he's healthy and ready to go. And now we start to see the the same issue we've been kind of – or blessing in disguise maybe that we've been talking about up front. 
coming back to the back end again, and you have a guy in Connor Murphy who was such an instrumental part of this team defensively for the first few weeks coming back, and you have Adam Boquist, you have Eric Gustafson, you have Slater Cuckoo who's been in and out of the lineup as well. There's some names there that something's got to give. Again, a good problem to have. And, you know, I think we saw how valuable Connor Murphy is when he wasn't in the lineup. That's kind of when things went south with the Blackhawks. He was having his best season, arguably, as a pro. So if he, come, if he comes back at that same level, then, yeah, you've got these problems where, okay, does Bocas stay in the lineup? Or, and, you know, now we also – we've opened up the offense a little bit. Now we've got a guy who can shut down coming to the lineup a little bit. So that's going to be something that uh, could be a, a boost. Also, you got some back-to-backs coming up. You know, this is a, a good problem for Jeremy Carlton to have. Who's, he, who's got in the lineup? And, and Burr, you mentioned it. There's some character in this room yeah. that you can sit a guy and say, hey, listen, it is a second of a back-to-back. I know you're Brent Seabrook. I know that, you know, you want to play, but – Here's what, here's what the story is. So uh, good problems to have, but yeah, I think that just getting Connor Murphy back is me a big boost, hopefully uh, at the end of this road trip and certainly next week going on. Yeah, communication there, right? I right. Mean, that's the, that's mm-hmm. the key to all that too. But yeah, Connor Murphy will be great. And I, I feel, I, we talked about it in one of our other shows that we've done, but just feeling bad for him. You, you train your tail off in, in summer to get ready for training camp. Then you get hurt. And then you play, what do you play, a month? And then he gets hurt again. And what people don't see is so now what he's doing right now is after practice, he's getting bag skated. Coaches are, we got to show me, show me you're ready. Show me that you're in shape. And so he's going with the defensive coaches or the head coach after practice. Then he's getting bag skated. Then he's got to go up to the gym. He's got to do extra workouts there. You're like, my God, I just got done doing this for four months all summer. Now you kind of got to start over. It's hard getting injured like this midseason. Um, it stinks to have to watch games, but it's way worse what you guys don't see that happens after practice. And the punishment, I'm going to call it, that the coaches put you through to, to kind of show that, all right, are you in good enough shape to, to play here? Are you ready to go? And then you got to go up with the trainer in the gym and you're doing bike sprints and bike workouts and lifting. Uh, it feels like you're back in the middle of summer again, and all you want to just it, it, almost playing games is easier than coming back from injury. I, I, I'll guarantee that. Well, it's tough to stay in that game shape as well. You have to almost replicate that when you're not playing. Yeah, those but as games. a player, you tell yourself, Carter, you're always in shape. Oh, Don't yeah. coach. Come on, I'm ready to go. Don't worry about. Me. You're ready to go right I'm now. I'm ready to right? go right now. <laughs> Cook, you mentioned the back-to-backs, and I do want to touch on this. Chicago, we've talked about, has 16 back-to-backs this season. Through the first three, a perfect three zero and zero in the second night of that back-to-back, which is usually the night that is pointed to as uh, the play starts to drop off in the third period. That's where things can maybe go south. Yes, the play maybe dropped off in the third period against Toronto and really became a game then. But this team for an organization that has so many of these on the calendar this year, it's a really good sign to see that they're able to turn that key and uh, really have a good performance on both ends of that. Yeah, somebody's saying that, uh, especially lose that first one, you never want to lose two in a row. So that gives you motivating, a motivating factor. But I, I go back to the goaltending. This is what Stan Bowman envisioned when he brought in Robin Leonard. You've got two guys, and maybe the second guy is going to be going up against somebody's backup. So you've got two number one guys basically going up against uh, either a number one or a backup, and that just gives you a chance to win every single night, which not a lot of teams have. Very few teams have that. It's all about a balance between you know, getting those guys playing, they all want they, they both want to play 60, 65 games. It's not going to happen. They've got to buy into it, and so far they have. I've seen these guys communicate. They seem very friendly with each other. They accept what's going on here. And, frankly, they just want to win hockey games. And the way to do that is to have two strong goaltenders. I personally, for me, I felt as long as they didn't get nicked or something, a shoulder or a knee or something that was tweaked or hurt or a little uh, tweak groin after a game, back-to-backs, I, I, I didn't mind them. The travel was the worst part, you know, getting in it. If it was a, if it, you had to travel for four hour plane ride, you get in at one in the morning or two in the morning, and then you got to play a five o'clock game or a six. Those are hard because you don't sleep. 
but my body felt better. And I, I, I say this all the time when we're doing the TV stuff is the back to back, the team that's playing, that's coming on their second game, they usually start better. And they usually have a little more jump to them. And the team that hadn't played in a couple days has got to kind of catch up. And then maybe in the third, that team will slow down a bit. So I never put a whole lot into that. It's just hard. It's something easy to complain about when you see the schedule. Damn it, NHL, you gave me eight back-to-backs or 12 back-to-backs. But the travel is what's hard. Your body feels, for me, a little better. You're warm. You haven't been practicing for four days. Guys don't like practicing four or five days in a row. You'd rather play. So I never put a whole lot into that. As long as you're healthy going into a game, I enjoyed it. I, I like those back to backs, and you kind of tick a couple games off in a row now, and you're getting you're chipping away a game. So I, I don't I don't uh, I don't like complaining about the back to backs. I, think, I always think it's very interesting that at some point during the game, an analyst or an announcer will say, "Boy, which team's playing the second of a back to back?" Because how many times do you hear that? Happens all the time. So yeah. your points made there that they come in especially early on, right? They've got this jump maybe because they've just still got the adrenaline yep. going from that, that first night, and then as we saw the other night. Maybe you run out of gas in the third. Where the running out of gas, a lot of times it's because you do get dinged the night before. You've got something and, and uh, you know, maybe it starts to get sore. It tightens up on you by the third period. Um, but usually the teams that, that play, you, you have a good start. You're, you're warm. You're up to game speed. You're good to go. Well, we'll get a good read on it because there are 13 left on the schedule, including this weekend. Now let's complain about it again. On the road in yeah, Nashville. That's brutal and schedule. And coming back from, uh, to play Buffalo at the United Center on Sunday. Before that, though, the team will play in Vegas, a team that they've struggled with historically over the first two-plus seasons that the Golden Knights have been in the league. But it's going to be a special night for, I'm going to call him an unsung hero so far of this team, uh, Ryan Carpenter, who is going back to the team where he spent the last two seasons, went to the Stanley Cup final a couple years ago, over 100 games played for them. He's really flown under the radar, Chris, and I know you've, you've talked to him recently and we have a interview with him coming up in just a minute but he's been the guy that's just come in and got the job done you don't hear from him a lot you don't hear from him a lot in both a good way and a bad way and he's just the ultimate pro as you described it to Jeremy Colleton and he said absolutely he is you know you don't you mentioned you don't hear from the guy you know he walks but you walk by him in the dressing room it's like oh yeah I forgot about Ryan and and it's because he does his job and he does those things that aren't sexy in the box score right he doesn't score 50 goals or you know, have 60 assists, but he wins face-offs. He wins battles in the corners. He, he kills penalties. You've got guys that can score. You've got Patrick Kane. You've got Jonathan Taves. You've got, you know, DeBrinkett. All these guys come in. But you need those guys to do the dirty the dirty work. And, Burr, that was kind of your role for a bit there. And there's nothing, you know, people say, oh, he's a fourth-liner. But you know, I was talking to Ryan Carpenter. I said, hey, I know what my role is in the NHL. This is what got me here. Yeah. This is why I'm here. I, you know, I'm not going to go out there and think, I should be on the first line. I should be scoring these goals. I know my, my spot, and once you accept that as a player then, and you really embrace it, that's when you get going. I think Ryan Carpenter is the epitome of that. I, I was, you know, and I had, I struggled with that in my career if I'm being, if I'm being honest, and I'm a fourth liner in the NHL. I was okay with that, but the truth was when I got sent to the minors, I was a third or fourth liner in the minors too right, because right. there's a lot of skill and high-level high, high level guys there, and so you're a fourth liner in the NHL. That, that was never a, a diss to me. I never took that as, you know, wow, you suck. No, yeah, you're damn right I'm a fourth liner. I'm in the NHL too, right. and I feel pretty good about it. But Carpenter's been really good, and I played with him in San Jose when I did get sent to the minors at the end of my career. And I'll tell you guys a funny story about him. And I think I've told you before that he was always quiet, like you said, Chris. He worked really hard. He trained his tail off in the gym, was great in practice every day. 
He was really attentive to the coach. The coach would listen. He would always listen to the coach when he talked and would like the next day in practice, he'd go there early and work on what the coach had told him. So I was always, I was impressed by him and I, I wasn't happy to be where I was at the time, but he caught my eye and that's, that's the truth. But, um, we had a, a rookie party in when we were there and it was outside of Worcester, Massachusetts. There's a big casino there. I think it's like a Harris casino. I don't even know what casino it was, but we had a, a party there. Carpenter didn't drink. I don't know if he still doesn't or, or if he does or doesn't, but he, he didn't drink. He didn't, didn't drink alcohol at the time. And so all the rookies had to go and do a shot with the veterans and did a shot of tequila and you're good. And so Ryan's like, hey, uh, and the guy said, well, you don't drink, so you don't do one. You don't have to do one. He goes, well, I'll do something. Guys are like, oh, yeah? All right. So they filled up a shot glass with, like, ketchup and mustard and hot sauce and mayonnaise. Um, and I don't know, some kind of, you know, maybe Gatorade and, and anything nasty that they could find. We had, like, a sweet. So anything nasty. We're going to have this recipe on the site yeah. later on yeah. for anyone like who's very full, interested in it. It was like a pint glass full of, like, any relish, anything nasty you could find. And he just grabbed it like a champ and downed this nasty whatever this concoction was and he said, no, I'll have something, yeah, and he kind of put it on himself, and it was just cool, and he chugged it and came and hung out all night. So I, I enjoyed playing with Ryan, and I'm sure the guys on this team uh, will feel the same way about him, and I'm sure he's, a, he's kind of like a coach's dream, too. He's just a nice, respectful kid that listens and, and works his tail off. He's also a very interesting guy if you talk to him. Um, he is quiet, but when you get into depth a little bit, I know that Carter, you just talked to him. I, I'm going to write a story on him for, the, for Blackhawks.com, but uh, he's very into his faith. He thinks his faith helps yep. him as a, as a human uh, and as a – a player. He was um, in Vegas with the Sharks uh, on October 1st, 2017, when the shootings went down. Um, and he was very affected by that because then he then went to the Knights and uh, that group was affected by that. And uh, I talked to him a little bit about that. He's a, a very introspective guy. Uh, I guess like how he knows his place in life and on the ice. Yeah. And it's, it's difficult to find in this, these days yeah. and age. Big time. Well, we will toss it to our interview with Ryan Carpenter. But before we do that, I do want to give uh, a special thank you to him because he didn't have to talk to either you or I today, Chris. Uh, he just got yeah. back. His 96-year-old grandmother passed away. He missed Sunday's game, um, going to spend some time with the family and, and deal with that. He didn't have to talk to us today, but uh, the ultimate pro that he is, he did so, kind of cruised right on through. And his, his exact words was uh, where he, uh, she was 96 years old. She lived a great life, a long life, but a great life. And so uh, a thank you to Ryan Carpenter. And without further ado, here he is. Ryan, people can't really see it right now, but I do have to start off by saying you are growing quite the Movember mustache right now, uh, perhaps maybe the best on the team. Uh, I'd like to think so. I think I got a head start, though. It was a couple weeks ahead of time. I know my wife hates November for that. It's a great for a great cause, but hates, uh, hates the month where she's got to put up with this lip. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just it's fun being around here, and it's just raising support and awareness for good cause. You have guys like, uh, I think Chazzy has a good one over here going. Who... Who's maybe not keeping up form right now in terms of uh, their their ability to grow a good mustache? I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like some guys have started theirs early. I like Debrinkets a little bit. He looks like his dad a little bit when he with his mustache. He's just he's so he's so young, and then with that mustache makes him look so much older. Maybe maybe that helped him with that that nice goal he scored last week. You have uh, a game coming up on Wednesday. You return to Las Vegas. You spent two seasons there with the Golden Knights. Has this been a game you've kind of? had maybe a little circled on your calendar uh, obviously some some good memories there yeah a lot of good memories there and i guess we already played them here in, in chicago and i guess it was reminded the hawks we still haven't beat them so even just as a team we got something to, to play for i mean it's time to time to you know what i mean get a win against these guys but um yeah they've been they've been uh, had a lot of good memories there that first year was was special and uh, a lot of good friends on that team but then when the puck drops it's, it's time to go 
you mentioned that first season. You guys go all the way to the Stanley Cup final. You you come so close and really took the league by storm. What was the the mentality of that group? It almost seemed like uh, there was a, a chip on the shoulder. You guys that were maybe outcasts from other teams as part of an expansion team. What what really brought that group together? Yeah, we were the misfits. It's the team that, for whatever reason, got teams didn't want us or got exposed or whatever it was. We just kind of that chip on your shoulder, and everyone had something to play for and. And um, I think, too, just the love and the community, everything that happened October 1, the way the city kind of rallied together and around the team. And there was just some, something special about that season. I think we were playing for something bigger than ourselves. I think we were really playing for all those people that lost their lives and, and people affected by that, that, that tragedy. And, um, yeah, it was just something you'll never forget. came up a couple games, clo- uh, a couple games short. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a special season. 107 regular season games, 17 playoff games, and, and part of that run. Uh, in 2017 you sign in Chicago this offseason as a, as a free agent walk me through that process and kind of what drew you to Chicago what really kind of uh, piqued your interest about this organization and, and wanting to sign a, a contractor yeah it's it's an exciting time to be a free agent and then you, there's a window where you can start talking to teams and so Chicago's the team I talked to day one and it was nice to talk to Stan and Jeremy on the phone and it just you only really have like a week it seems like to kind of figure out where you want to go and make a decision I guess you could you could wait longer but um yeah I mean from day one I was impressed with what they had to say I was looking for a place I wanted to play my role and kind of know what my role is as a bottom six forward and PK in and face offs and doing those little things winger or center and I think I that, that kind of fit they had kind of openings for that and then also too I just want to be a part of that winning winning tradition a part of an original six team that's had so much success in the past so many past few years and they want to get back to that track definitely have a lot of scoring and so yeah it's been it's been fun it's a really good group of guys in here I know there's a lot of new new faces too from from last season but it seems like that Prague and some of these road trips has been really good for the team getting a lot closer you had 16 games, you have five assists, you're second on the team in face-off percentage. You've even played a little bit on the wing, even you know the last game, and that you, uh, the last home game, I should say, and, yeah. and in practice today. What's, what's that versatility mean? What do you think you can really bring to this group as, as you mentioned, one of those bottom six guys? Yeah, I mean, I guess anytime you can play center or wing, um, it definitely just helps staying in the lineup and to, uh, I mean, to be, to be versatile, to be used wherever, definitely helps and helps for me just staying in and then I mean, that's just what I try to bring. I know we got um, some of the big guys are starting to score for us now, and we're putting – anytime we, we have two really good goaltenders, so it seems like every game we can we can stay in a game, we, we get some scoring. And if our PK is good and we're hard to play against as a team and our bottom six is hard, even if we're not scoring, if we're creating momentum and scoring chances, that just does – creates creates easier offense for the bigger guys. How unique is this team? You have guys like Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, obviously, who've been here for a long time, some guys on the back end, Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, but – a guy standing right next to us, Kirby Doc, Adam Boquist, uh, you know, Dominic Kubalik. So many young guys coming in. What's this? What's this locker room like? And really, kind of a nice mix of the veteran and the fresh blood. Yeah, it's the veterans. But I mean, that's what this seems like. This league is. You got to have young guys that can play and produce. And I mean, these guys are confident guys. Guys that can definitely play in the NHL and deserve to be here. And not only deserve to be here, but are making an impact, scoring big goals, and just playing big minutes for us. So. Yeah, it's different. I mean, you got guys that have won, won cups and been here forever, and then guys, it's their first year in the league. So it's definitely a lot of fun. You got a little bit all over the spectrum. You got kids that are 18, 19, 20. You got older guys with a couple kids and married. So uh, that's what makes it makes it fun on this team. And yeah, definitely brings some youthfulness and some young legs to the lineup. A lot of, before we go, a lot of people see kind of what you do on the ice and kind of your 
one of the most consistent guys on this bottom six throughout the first part of the season here, but I did want to bring light to some of the stuff that you've been able to do off the ice and, and just how much you try to give back to the community. And in 2016, you won the Yannick Dupree uh, Memorial Award. It's, you know, kind of the, the humanitarian off the ice during the AHL. You were hospital visits, uh, you, know, you know, toy drives, using your platform. You, you taught math classes, you taught on-ice sessions. How important is that to kind of use your role, use your, your, your stance as a professional player to kind of give back and, and really improve the lives of others? Yeah, it's important. I think it's one thing just about, it seems like the culture in the NHL and even just pro hockey, kind of wherever I've been, it seems like hockey guys really get it about giving back. So even though I won those awards, there are other guys who just do the same amount of stuff on my team or other teams I've been on. So it was nice to be recognized. But it just seems like even Chicago, the Hawks really understand the importance of giving back and, and being involved. I know it's been it's been a quick start to the year. It feels like we've been gone so much. I guess we had that long homestand. But yeah, it'll be nice um, to start doing some more charity things around and get connected. But yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things that's important. I mean, we have this platform. Uh, we're blessed to do what we do and, and play the game we love. It's nice to be able to bless other people. Well, Ryan, thank you for uh, the time today and good luck in Vegas. Thanks. That will do it for this week's episode of Blackhawks Insider. A special thank you once again to Ryan Carpenter for joining us, as well as Chris Cook and Adam Burrish. As usual, uh, you can read Chris Cook's piece on Ryan Carpenter, his faith, and how that really drives him as a player uh, on Blackhawks.com. Uh, and as well, a reminder that next week on the 21st, it's a 2010 anniversary night, a special night for our own Adam Burrish as well, but a Brent Seabrook bobblehead uh, commemoration in the atrium with a great interactive exhibit kind of taking you through that season and the ups and downs and uh, a truly historic season for the Blackhawks franchise. More information on that at blackhawks.com slash 2010. For Chris Cook and Adam Burrish, I'm Carter Baum. We'll see you next time on Blackhawks Insider presented by Chevy Drive Chicago. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. <laughs>